0: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Inquisitive on Relay FM. My name is Mike Hurley. This episode of Inquisitive is brought to you by our friends at Campaign Monitor, who help you send beautiful emails and get better results. Today on Inquisitive, I'm joined by Mr. Matthew Bischoff. Hi, Matthew. How are you? Good. How are you, Mike? I am very well, sir. Very well indeed. Mr. Bischoff, what do you like to be known for these days? Well, I've been on the show twice before and Mm -hmm. I've given the same answer. I'm going
1: to change it up this time. It's a new show. Got to change it up. Uh, I'm gonna say I like to be known for making things that help people. Oh, that's a good answer. You you've yeah. been thinking about that one. I have. You? I yeah. think about it every day, Mike. <laughs> every day.
0: I'm I am worried about the pressure I'm putting them on, on, like repeat guests. With mm-hmm. that, yeah. Maybe I, maybe I should have like a secondary question or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: What do you like to be
0: known for not doing? Oh. What do don't you, really you like to be known for? Exa- yes, exactly. <laughs> I might go with that. What's the thing you're most embarrassed about? That's where we go into like totally different oh, territory. God. That's a different show. That is an that's, interesting that's, question. It's your though. show with
1: Casey at that point.
0: That's a good point actually. Yeah, we we do tend to just talk about things that embarrass us. Um so I, I, in case anybody doesn't know who you are, you currently work at Tumblr. Um, that's right and you have a side gig uh, a fantastic little app shop called lickability and we're going to focus on a couple of those things um but i saw you tweet i think it was yesterday that you've been at tumblr for a year now
1: that's right yeah i think yesterday was my my one-year anniversary at tumblr
0: so for as much as you're uh, able to say what kind of things have you been or do you work on at tumblr
1: well, anything that's shipped, I'm, I'm more than more than willing to talk about. So I work on the iOS team at Tumblr, which started uh, when I joined was three people. Uh, now we're up to six people on the iOS team. So I've been part of a, a pretty rapid growth of that team. And we make the iPhone and iPad app. It's a universal app. And we put out a ton of great updates in the last year, one of which was the one that we talked about with with Brian on the show, which allowed you to completely customize your identity on Tumblr uh, from within the mobile apps, really really cool. Mm. Um, and our big iOS seven up now, our big iOS five stars in the App Store blows my mind that people like it as much as they do. Um,
0: it's interesting for an app uh, at the scale of, of uh, Tumblr to have five stars.
1: Oh yeah, it's so rare. It's so so rare.
0: Because you, you know you're 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 going out to so many people at that point that to keep that average is kind of incredible
1: yeah I, I think it's something like 4300 reviews um, I read the reviews every morning and um, just the outpouring of, of support is is incredible the criticisms are a little hard to read sometimes but they're helpful in making in making something good why do you read them uh, well because our support team takes a really great uh, pains to answer all the support emails, things that come in from tumblrcom slash support but um And they also read the App Store reviews, but it's really hard to summarize what 5,000 people are saying. So I like to actually see all that myself um, to figure out, you know, when I'm in a meeting about what we're going to do next, what an informed perspective is. And those reviews are not the only source that inform that perspective. My own opinions and what's going on in the industry also help, but uh, they're they're definitely an important source
0: for me. So what's the thing that you're the most proud of that you've worked at uh, at Tumblr?
1: I think the iOS eight update is the thing that uh, I'm I'm definitely the most proud of. The fact that we, on day one, supported the new screen sizes um, for an app of our size, we were one of the only ones that did that, and that we had a share extension, which I think is still my favorite share extension on the phone. Lets you share to Tumblr from any app on your phone that has a standard share sheet. Uh, It's just it's such a good release, and it was so hard to, to get it done on time. The team worked incredibly hard incredibly long hours but we got it we got it done on time
0: a little bit later once we speak about quote book i want to talk about the screen sizes thing because i did find that incredibly impressive that you guys were there i mean and you were there with like with both of your apps uh with the new screen size stuff but yeah kind of going back to tumblr as a service what like if you look at where where you guys are now, like in in twenty fourteen, um, and you look at the landscape, you know there are there are social networks popping up and and dying off as as quickly as they arrive. What do you think are some of the big challenges that a platform like Tumblr has? Like you you're well established, and we but we've seen well established social networks just fizzle away. Mm-hmm. What what sort of things are you guys on the lookout for?
1: I think we're always, you know, when Tumblr started, it started as a place to share stuff that you created in other places, you know, so you would drop photos into the web browser or you'd copy some text out of a Word document and paste it in and make your blog that way. I think more and more on mobile, we have to also think about how we're the tools to actually do the creation. So not just a place to put your stuff, but a place to make stuff. And that's, that's what's going to keep uh, networks like Tumblr relevant.
0: And what kind of stuff excites you? Like working on a on a platform like Tumblr, what kind of things are you? What trends and stuff like that excite you that you're working on?
1: Uh, gorgeous, the gorgeous animations and the and the. Uh incredibly thoughtful and, and funny copy that we do here at Tumblr always excites me, You know, working with our killer creative team uh, to make things that surprise people. And then seeing users actually uh, po- use Tumblr to talk about how, they, how surprised they were. So for instance, if you do a search in the Tumblr iOS app and you don't get any results, there are like 19 different uh, <laughs> no-results phrases that you'll get, and they're all hilarious. Uh, but but you know if you just use the app casually you might not notice that you might think this is what it always says but then as you use it more it actually rewards that
0: yeah cuz it's interesting cuz i guess the people that are going to see that stuff the most who are going to bump into those things are the ones that are there every day so giving them some sort of variation is is yeah. good
1: and i don't know if do you know are you familiar with the disney term plussing no okay well uh, Walt Disney and 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 the company since you know he he left um have this idea of always improving things. They call it plussing. Just, just even though something's been out there forever, you just constantly make it better. They do this with attractions. They do this um, with their with their films. And I think that sense really lives at a Tumblr. So even a page that's you know never used or a screen or a control, there's always somebody thinking about. Oh, well, how could we make this copy a little bit tighter? How could we ch- you know tweak these colors so that instead of using four different colors in this palette, we're only using three, which is a simpler design. And I'm also really excited about that.
0: So let's shift gears and talk about QuoteBook. Um, what is what is Quotebook?
1: Quotebook is an app to collect quotes that matter to you. And it it exists on iOS, on the iPhone and iPad right now. It allows you to create a personal quote library. Um, so quotations from books, movies, TV shows, Twitter, and then reflect back on that. See, you know, slice and dice it by who said this what was the author where is this from what's the source tags and and also ratings
0: it's quite an interesting idea like it's a, it's a very specific use case where did the idea for quotebook come from
1: it came from a gentleman named Alex Payne who wrote a blog post about an it was an unfinished idea for an app that did just exactly what quotebook does and would also sync to the web and the mac which we haven't gotten to quite yet but he posted that years ago, and a year, or a year or a year and a half after he posted it, still no one had done it, and there was still this need for me and for other people who do presentations or write blog posts to have a central repository of quotes that you can draw from um, that are yours, that are not just you know 30,000 of quotes that are completely irrelevant to you, but things that matter to you. Uh, and so we built it. How long have you been working on it, did you mention? I think since twenty ten, if if I rem- if I recall, yeah.
0: How has it evolved over time? So you're at version three now. What are some of the like the kind of landmark changes that Quotebook's mm-hmm. been through?
1: It's a good question. So Quotebook started out of uh, my dorm room in college uh, with my friend Andrew Harrison, who was my roommate at the time, and Brian Caps, who was going to school at University of Miami. We were all working on it. Late nights over Skype uh, in between classes, and then it was just an iPhone app. It was very very simple. Uh, used completely standard UI, and it didn't sync or store. It just stored the data in core data on the phone, uh, and that's it. And then it we put it out. We didn't know how it was going to do. We didn't we didn't know how many people were going to care about it or use it or had this same need that I had. And uh, it did really well. Like people wrote about it. Um, I came on your show, Like I uh, you know, people really enjoyed it. So we thought, how can we do more with this? And iPad was was natural second evolution. So our our second major version, QuoteBook 2.0, was the addition of the iPad app, which also means that we needed to do syncing. Because you can't really have an iPhone app with data and then add an iPad app and not do some kind of syncing of that data. That doesn't really make sense. Uh, so we put out the iPad app, which we took a very different direction on the design. We worked with a designer that we that we really liked um, to do a much more skeuomorphic, textured black leather with this like cream uh, handmade paper design. It was it was really beautiful. Um, it made the iPad feel like your literal quote book that you pulled off of your dusty library shelf, um, and. Worked on that for a while. Worked on a couple major or minor revisions to that, uh, fixing bugs, dealing with iOS updates, and then for we we kind of put it on the put it put it down for a while and said you know let's go do another app. So we made Velocity, and then when we came back to it, we decided you know what let's tear up the entire thing. We'll rewrite the entire app from scratch. iPhone and iPad will share a lot more than they do right now, and uh, it might upset some people. We're going to lose that leather and that paper texture, but it's going to be much more iOS seven, much more like. Uh, extensible for the future and uh and that turned out great
0: looking at quotebook and and the design especially now it's a very text heavy app and you know it's very sparse and that's that's how things are decided to to be done these days but an app like yours which is intended to display text Mm mm-hmm How long did it take you to decide on the font choices that you made? Oh
1: my god! Because I can
0: imagine that was that's really really hard in today's development world. Yeah, so many
1: people um, still just use Helvetica, which is which is fine. Uh, Helvetica is like air, as someone has said before, and it's it's fine. But for Quotebook, we wanted we knew we wanted a typeface that had this feeling of intimacy, like it was yours, like you owned it. and it also had a kind of classic feel to to do to throw back to actual uh, commonplace books and 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 um, physical printed material without having to actually add the paper texture so we went through I don't know, dozens and dozens of fonts. Um, we installed all of them side-by-side side on our device, using them for days at a time, uh, whittling down whittling down the possibilities, working with different designers, again, that we trusted. Andre Kalor was one, was one of the main designers that helped us out with Quotebook 3, and I, he, I owe him so much for that. Um, and we ended up with actually two typefaces that are related in that they're in a family. So the quote text is always set in FF uh, meta serif, and all of the meta text is set in FF Meta, um, which is the the Sans Serif variant, and I think that works out really well.
0: So how how many do you know how many font choices you went through? Like, do you have a rough idea? Uh, of how many different yeah, typefaces? I think it was
1: about thirty. Wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. How long were you working on Quotebook Three from sort of the the starting way, way, way of Way too long. How long?
1: Way, way too long. I, I think it was eight months uh, of, of, of work. And we took breaks, and, and there are three of us, and it wasn't our, any of our full-time gigs. But sure. pretty much every night, we, you know, we come home from work doing iOS development, make dinner, do more iOS development <laughs> on our own stuff. So it was a long project, and I'm, I'm glad that people have liked it, because otherwise you, you could question whether it was worth
0: it. Did Because uh, obviously sort of slap bang in the middle of there is WWDC. Did it change the direction of, of the development at all for Quotebook?
1: Uh, no, uh, it did change some of the technical decisions that we were making about, you know, iCloud. We had to redo all of our iCloud testing and migration testing, and um, that was a a big burden. But it didn't change any of the the design.
0: How? So you, you know, you you get the app ready and you launched in late August, right? That's right. How did the launch go? I mean, in the past, especially with Quotebook 2, you had some really good press about being the guys that kind of stretched and fixed iCloud. Yeah. Um what was it like for for quote book three it was our best it was our best launch
1: ever um excuse me it's our best launch ever and it, it the press is what really helps us we We have very little idea what we're doing with in terms of paid marketing we We spend money on marketing occasionally and it's it's kind of hard to measure uh what's successful and what's not. So we really try to treat reporters and bloggers like people um we're very, very generous with who we give. Promo codes too, um, and and that works out for us.
0: <laughs> treating, <laughs> treating reporters like people.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, <well>, yeah, <laughs> not like inputs and outputs, not like you know, just yeah. this, this anonymous email address. Just treat them like a human being.
0: Did you? I mean, we're, actually, I'm going to say this when we talk about iCloud Drive. I was going to ask if you stretched iCloud again, but I'm sure we'll we'll find that out. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of. In regards to quote book as a as a topic itself, I mean, obviously people save quotes, right? I mean, and, yep. and that's kind of what you'd assume. Have you ever heard of or come across any kind of interesting or unexpected use cases of the app? Like th- p- things that people do that you didn't necessarily think would be something they'd use it for?
1: There have been some surprises from time to time. People are having an issue with the app, and they email us in support, and they actually send us all their quotes to do some debugging. You know, uh, and we see we do see some odd things. Like some people maintain quote books of more quotes than we ever imagined. You know, five thousand quotes. That every time they watch TV, they just have the app out. They're typing every funny line from the latest comedy in that. That surprised me. I wouldn't ever use it like that. Um, another one was that. Uh, parents use it to keep track of their kids' first words and, and, the, and the funny things that their kids say as they're growing up and not being a parent, I hadn't thought of that at all. But that's kind of a, a touching use case as well. And then um, past, a lot of pastors are using the app to, to keep track of um, quotes to, to reference in, in homilies and sermons, uh, which, is,
0: which is kind of neat as well. I mean, I, I, how has your usage of the app changed over time, if at all?
1: Well, the thing that makes it hard for me to use it as much as I wish I could is that I'm constantly uninstalling and reinstalling different builds and syncing and switching accounts, so i my quote book is uh is often in a disarray,
0: probably forcibly breaking syncing as well, right
1: yeah, yeah. yes, um but I have about five hundred quotes, a lot of them are from uh blog posts, but then a good a, a good number increasingly are from friends just at you know at parties or when I'm hanging out, just so I can remember something that that someone said that I thought was particularly funny.
0: Yeah, I I have quite a few of those. Or you know, I, I said to you before we started, uh, I put nice things that people say to me,
1: compliments, right?
0: Compliments. It's it's an you know it's it's a quite a self centered thing to do, but uh, it's nice I think to to keep those sort of stuff in there. Have some
1: and you you give them all five stars, right, Mike?
0: They're the only ones that get five stars. <laughs> exactly. Everything else is one star because it's not about me, so. That doesn't deserve it. I want to take a uh, break to thank our sponsor for this week's episode. And then I want to talk about iCloud Drive um, and kind of a continuation of uh, the syncing issues. I'll prepare myself. Yeah, if you need to have a drink, now might be the time. So our sponsor for this week's episode is our friends over at Campaign Monitor. Campaign Monitor make it easy to design, create, send, and optimize your email campaigns with ease and at great speed, Campaign Monitor features Canvas, which is an easy to use builder for creating and crafting beautiful email newsletters. They're going to look great everywhere on desktops, laptops, mobile devices and tablets. Thousands of Campaign Monitor customers are using Canvas to totally reinvent what they send. So why not try creating a template for free at CampaignMonitor.com slash Canvas? Campaign Monitor also has some other really cool features for sending your email campaigns like dynamic content that allows you to personalize your emails for your subscribers and powerful segmentation tools that allow you to easily group and understand and then contact your subscribers in sort of smaller verticals so you can give them just the messaging that they want. If you, power, you, could, if you think of dynamic content and the segmentation stuff together, you put those things together, you could create some really engaging emails, I think. Campaign Monitor is also built for designers and agencies to find out how you can rebrand and offer their service to your own clients at your own prices. They have a special website for that, which is campaignmonitor.com agencies. However, if you're just interested in going and checking it out, and maybe you want to have a little newsletter for your blog or something like that, go sign up for a free account right now at campaignmonitor.com. Thank you so much to Campaign Monitor for supporting this show and Relay FM. So if to give a back, bit of background for people, um, in case they're not aware, because I feel like I get a little bit lost in this at the moment. What are Apple trying to do with iCloud Drive? Why do I want it? What's the point of it?
1: Mm. Well, I, I think they're trying to kind of take a step back. They're trying to compete with Dropbox because they've realized that Um, just a folder that syncs where you can move stuff between different app containers is useful. And to do that, they needed to migrate what they call the infrastructure of iCloud. So they needed to actually move where things were physically stored, virtually stored in their data centers. And that transition is the uh, iCloud from documents and data to iCloud Drive transition, which happens with iOS 8 and Yosemite.
0: So... With iOS 8, um, Apple basically started to ask people to sign up, right? Right. It's it's
1: when you set up your new phone or when you do your upgrade, it says, hey, do you want to upgrade to iCloud Drive?
0: Now, as a developer of, of an app that relies quite heavily on iCloud, what's the problem for you with this?
1: The problem is that um, people don't read. Uh, <laughs> so, so that screen is, and, and the, the screen is confusing, and, and that's the real issue, is that it asks you if you want to, upgrade to iCloud Drive, um, and it does mention in, in small text that your stuff won't sync with iOS 7 devices, but people just are, are in the middle of clicking yes, 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 yes. They click yes, and then they email indie developers um, saying that their stuff no longer syncs with their iOS 7 devices. Maybe they have an iPhone 4, which can't upgrade to iCloud Drive because it can't get iOS 8. Or maybe they're using an app on the computer. This isn't true in Quotebook's case, but if they're you know using... Uh, one of Real max apps, like Clear, they, they might have a Mac app and a phone, and if and you, since Yosemite's not out yet, they can't upgrade to iCloud Drive on their on their Mac, so their stuff just won't sync.
0: Yep, it just stops working completely. It just completely stops working. It's it's absurd. So why? I mean, with with iOS eight, we have a few other features that were announced but have not yet seen the light of day, like. The iCloud photo library Mm -hmm. um, continuity stuff obviously isn't working between the Mac and iOS. Right. Why do you think that Apple pushed iCloud Drive out now when there's clearly still some significant problems with it?
1: Well, let's consider the alternative. Um, If they didn't put it out now, that means that the developers who had built their stuff on this iCloud Drive infrastructure, stuff like CloudKit and stuff, wouldn't have been able to ship their apps. So they started working on this in June with the thought that they'd ship when iOS 8 comes out, and they would have had to have held those apps, not been able to release them. I I don't think that would be a great experience for those developers.
0: So do you think it was was a developer-driven decision then?
1: um yes i also think that they do have this one opportunity a year to ask users a bunch of different questions like do you want to turn on analytics do you want to turn on this and um and th- they just wanted that in this flow they didn't want to have to interrupt people later and get them to migrate they wanted to do it with a major software release
0: this is maybe the time when people are just clicking through and saying yes to a bunch of stuff right right do you think apple could have handled it any better though
1: Absolutely. I just, I just am not smart enough or knowledgeable enough to know how they, what that yeah. better is. I think, I think it was handled really poorly, but I just don't know how it could have been improved.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause there are certain things that are really weird. Like if you say no, it's kind of like these devices won't sync. Right. It tells you that right. Up front. Right. Right. And then you say no. And it's like, are you sure? Right. Why? Why why ask if I'm sure? Yeah. Why tell me? Why give me a reason not to do it, and then like try and strong arm me at the end? Yeah. It's very odd. It is very peculiar. You know what else
1: is odd? I mean, there've been there've been serious bugs with iCloud since this came out. Like, for instance, when you reset your device settings, losing all of your documents and data. That's that's an extremely serious bug, and that all of that uh, has a really negative effect on people. People's confidence in Apple and confidence in these new software updates. So I think that's part of the reason, why, for instance, why we're seeing lower iOS eight adoption in general than we saw iOS seven adoption.
0: When you were developing with with iCloud Drive, um, how did you find it to be any easier, or were there things better than just standard old iCloud?
1: No, unfortunately not. Um, Because we're not using CloudKit. We're still using the same technology we were using before. We're just on this new infrastructure. So actually it it led to us writing more code. We had to add more um, user explanation of what was going on during the migration. Because if you did say yes to iCloud Drive, we need to show a spinner while your quotes are being moved. And sometimes, unfortunately, Apple botches that move. Uh, And then we have to deal with the customer support from that. So it's it's been a painful couple of months for us.
0: If something like that happens, is there a way for you to help a customer get their data back?
1: There wouldn't be if we were just Joe Schmo developer and hadn't thought about this ahead of time. But Mike, we're, we're likability. We're we're better than that. Yeah. So we that uh, should we... be
0: your new. Uh... <laughs> We're better than that.
1: We're better than that. So what we do is we automatically back up all of your quotes uh, every time you background the app, and we keep the ten most recent backups inside the application. So even if Apple screws up everything, you lose everything. Um, you email us at support. It might take us a couple of days to get back to you because we're a little behind on it right now, uh, but we will be able to get you get you those back
0: in most cases. That's that's smart. Yeah. This this is these are a bunch of people that have dealt with all of the problems. <laughs> exactly. Do you think that it's it's going to get better? I mean, you're continuing to 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 go down this route. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it, kind of a two two sort of questions in one. Why did you go iCloud and not something like Dropbox? And do you have faith that iCloud is going to be everything you want it to be?
1: Yeah, I, that's that's a great question. I do have a lot of faith in this getting better because I do think that now they've actually staffed it up, and with CloudKit, they're showing that they can think about this the right way. Um, the reason why we didn't go with something like Dropbox or write our own syncing system like uh, QBranch did for Vesper is because we did. We really wanted the least friction possible for the average user. So right now, if you're the average user, you download Quotebook, you don't have to think, oh, do I really want to sign up for another account? Or, oh, uh, t- Dropbox, Like, what's my two-factor auth for that? You're just already signed in. Everything syncs, if, even if you'd never have a second device. You don't you don't need to worry about it. Everything is stored locally and then synced uh, opportunistically when it when it can be. So, I think that our relentless focus on customer experience is why we've gone this way. And the bumps along the road due to Apple are really unfortunate. But we're talking to people there. We're always uh, you know filing radars and talking to people at Apple to to improve it. I think ideally this is the way it should work, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of have spoken about my my feelings about these types of things before. Like why up until getting the new iphone i'd never uh, i've always restored from from iCloud and, and never restored my phone fresh because i kind of have a belief that these things just should work the way that right. they're advertised to work and you kind of i think have to give that a go right. for a while but so, have your
1: own backup have your own backup plan
0: yeah yeah so it's yeah. just a. Uh, I can I agree with that with that sentiment in regards to developing for for iOS 8. And, and you know, you've mentioned this with like the extension stuff that you've been doing at Tumblr. Um, what are your what are your favorite features kind of as a as a user, but also as a developer that they meet or, or are they different things?
1: I think uh, some of my favorite features are just improvements, bug fixes. Like Touch ID reliability is so, so much better in iOS 8, um, especially with the iPhone 6, um, which I'm lucky enough to have. Um, Extensions are incredible. I I haven't been using the custom keyboards, but I've been using the Instapaper and the Tumblr extension all the time. Love them both. Um, The Notification Center uh, extensions, the New York Times one, I I used to work there, but that's not why I'm saying it. It's incredible. Um, just to be able to see the top three headlines every time I pull down that that notification center shade is great. Uh, really, really powerful. And OmniFocus as well it, it is doing great work. So I can just see the tasks I need to do today, and I can even check them off without opening the app, which is a killer feature for me.
0: That's my favorite. The, yeah, the, 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 so I, I good. can't believe how well that actually does work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, Apple's QA at the moment and and mm-hmm. they're kind of leaving something to be desired a bit cuz iOS 7 had lots of bugs in it um iOS 8 has lots of bugs in it and there've been uh oh, significant problems in the release of iOS 8 like for example uh healthcare apps were were prevented from being released for for a right. couple of weeks right there was a lot of
1: issues with iTunes connect there there were yep. there were a lot of a lot of problems and then we
0: had a one breaking mm-hmm. everything right. and what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that there that there is something going on here? Do you think it's like just bad luck? Do you think that maybe Apple are stretching themselves too much at the moment? Do you have thoughts on it?
1: Definitely, don't think it's just bad luck, um, and I think that Apple executives should definitely be looking at this as a top priority. This this should be you know situation room level uh, discussions. But I also don't know if blaming QA... Blaming QA is a classic engineering thing. Oh, QA didn't catch it. It's their fault. That's not that's not an attitude that we should have as engineers um, or as customers. I think Apple is stretching themselves too thin. They are trying to do too much at a time. And I'd love to see a snow leopard for iOS. I, I, a lot of people have suggested this. I'd love to see an iOS release with no new features that just tightens up everything, makes everything cleaner, um and and just don't don't worry about getting into the feature race so much. just make sure everything is solid when it goes out the door.
0: do you think they can afford that though I mean it's uh, a yeah, big press I'm sure. thing, you know,
1: not sure, but they certainly can't afford too many more screw ups like this this is This is starting to become a story,
0: yeah, I guess it's interesting right what's what's potentially more damaging is it uh having bugs every time you release because you're racing to add new things or to take one year of being called. You know, slow losing out to the competition, that kind of thing. It's an, it's an interesting kind of where, where do you where where do you end up falling on that? Because there's yeah. trade offs to both,
1: right? You, I mean, you could have argued back when Snow Leopard re- was released that Microsoft was going to like leapfrog Apple in ter- in terms of a desktop operating system. Of course, that didn't happen. But I just don't think that fear is worth entertaining. I think having the world's most stable, beautiful, powerful uh, mobile operating system is what's important, and the stable part is
0: important. So when you, were, when you were talking about stability and things working the right way, when you were looking at making things like extensions and, and, and you know, if you have been looking at widgets and things like that, I've seen many uh, of my developer friends talking about incredible workarounds that they've had to kind of hack together. Did you find that to be the case
1: Oh my god, yeah, of (laughs) of course Yeah, Insane numbers of workarounds Um, These are all really well documented in a blog post that my colleague Brian race wrote Uh, You should definitely put it in the show notes You should read it if you're interested in this stuff at all but we learned a lot about what we had to work around um, in terms of building the Tumblr share extension and I'm going to apply a lot of that knowledge when I build the share extension for Quotebook hopefully, that's something that I I would like to do if I have time
0: uh, it will that post will be in the show notes. It was kind of what I was hoping you would say, and, and you can find those show notes at uh, relay.fm/inquisitive/slash/seven. And I guess this is about the um, the extension, right? Is his main thing right, that he's yeah. talking about? Yeah, I really it's like, like. It's
1: like ten different things of, of stuff that that didn't work that we thought should work in uh, share extensions.
0: I mean, many people commented on this, but it is, it is a great point in that for every problem there's a radar associated to it in the blog post which is linked which is uh, an interesting way of doing things and kind of seems like the logical way to do things like don't just complain about it do something about it
1: yeah be be be, uh constructive in your criticism and we we tried to do that um i think uh do, do do listeners know what radars are does that are we just throwing
0: around jargon here um Explain it for anybody that doesn't. I'm going to assume they do, but you, you can never make full assumptions, I guess. Right.
1: Uh, Radar is a bug report to Apple. So they have a system called bugreport.apple.com. It's internally, there's a Mac app called Radar. And uh, when developers have, have issues with the SDK or even issues with the products, you can report them there and then never hear about them ever again. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that, beca- I mean, do you ever get responses?
1: Uh, yeah m- most of the time the responses will just say, "Oh, this is fixed in eight point one can actually can you make sure it's fixed in 8 point one and then it either will or won't be and you you say back but it's it's very very automated typically and and not very helpful
0: so we spoke a little bit earlier and I said I would come back to this um, about screen sizes yeah um, kind of working on those and being ready for day one so you guys had to take a gamble. On screen size rumors, I'm assuming is the is the only logical way that you could have un, started to develop the Tumblr app to be ready on day one.
1: Kind of, although although not exactly. Um, we knew based on Apple hinting at WWDC that there would be um, new sizes that your app could run in, whether that was new screen sizes or uh, you know split screen iPad apps or whatever. Who knows? But we knew that our app would need to run in multiple sizes. And there were a lot of new APIs introduced in iOS 8 that made that possible. Uh, Things like size classes, um, this method called view will transition to size, which tells you when any screen will change size. Um, So we didn't look at it from the, let's guess exactly what the screen sizes are. We looked at it from the perspective of, okay, let's make it work at any size. I mean, you know, if it's going to be on the tip of your thumb, it's not going to look that great, but, but at any reasonable size, let's make it work. And then for all of the assets, all of the images in the app, let's just make those vectors because we don't know whether there's going to be a 3x or a 4x or something for the graphics. We don't know what size the graphics will need to be. So Xcode also introduced the ability to have PDF assets. We got our designers, um, especially our, one of our production designers, Corin, worked really, really hard to make all the Tumblr assets uh, PDFs um and that and that worked that strategy worked
0: how important is it for tumblr to be ready on day one in the store
1: i guess it depends on who you ask but i think to the people who work on the ios app every day it's incredibly important and we're going to have a a big old party to celebrate having done it
0: what about like the six and six plus stuff so i mean i know you mentioned about vectors but there's other things that need to be taken into consideration like I know that uh, my understanding, my layman's understanding is that the apps have to be, ex- have to be built at certain sizes, right? To make sure that they take advantage of the keyboards and things like that. So you compile to the different sizes. Is that right?
1: Not quite. Well, just to make your app compile for the new phones, you just have to include a new launch image. The launch image is what iOS shows when your app is being zoomed up from the icon to the full thing. Um, And it's while your app's starting up, it shows this this image of what your empty interface looks like. Um, And as long as you have those new size images, your app will run at native resolution on the new devices. Um, And then after that, it's a lot of, well, okay, this screen, these margins aren't quite right. It's a lot of uh, pixel pushing to get everything to look right, which we had a day or two to do. Not a lot of time to do um, on the new simulators. But yeah, you don't need to compile for the sizes per se.
0: How much work is it to to do that part? Because I mean, you're kind of doing it without the devices. So, like, mm-hmm. is that a risk for one?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's a huge risk. It's a risk we were willing to take because um, we knew it would be better than seeing the zoomed up app. You know, if, if a, few, a few things were off here or there, uh, it'd be better than seeing the zoomed up status bar and blurry text. We we can't stand that kind of stuff.
0: So, I mean, how do you how do you balance out that risk? You know, like to be ready, and you know to to not be able to fully test it. Um,
1: it's a good question. Uh, I I think because the resizable simulators were available at WWDC, and you could just type in arbitrary values, we definitely tested with uh, Gruber's guest sizes and a few other people who had size guesses, and we felt the the simulator itself as a tool has been getting so much better every year. It, it, there are so few differences now between. Device, the device, in the simulator. In like, you know, in early in iOS development, you'd be able to say, "Oh, that's a, probably a simulator bug. Only happens on the simulator." Very, very rarely is that the case anymore. I found, so uh, we, we felt pretty confident. It wasn't that big of a risk if everything looked right on the simulator. We we thought it would pretty much look right on
0: device. I mean, it seems like you guys definitely made the right decision, right? Because I know that there have been a bunch of problems with app review as well, which seem to kind of take effect right after yeah i mean yeah. we
1: ran we ran into a few but luckily we were we were able to sneak around all of them somehow
0: there seems to have been delays as well which is um an issue as well as just iTunes connect not seeming to really be working
1: yeah in terms of the delays it's actually going back up again so according to appreviewtimes.com which which tracks this uh it's a 10 day ios app store review time right now so if you submitted right now you wouldn't you wouldn't be in the store for 10 days which is pretty long
0: what sort of effect do you think this has on your user base? One to be there day one and two to not be there day one? What's the is there a big difference between those two things or not?
1: I think so. I think um for the users that get new phones, you know you just spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on something, and Tumblr is your favorite app that you use all the time. If it's not updated, you kind of feel bad about your phone purchase. You feel bad about Tumblr, and and that's not the feeling that we want to create. But if instead you unwrap your phone and Tumblr is one of the only apps, as it was, that was updated, um, I think I think that feels a lot better. And I, I think that's way way better for those users.
0: Because I, I kind of the way that I think about these things is there is less of a positive feeling for being ready day one than there is a negative feeling for not. So like the feelings that you have towards a company. As a as an mm-hmm. average user for being ready day one is kind of just like great, but if you're not ready, it's like they are the worst thing ever. I think that's amplified though if it's a new device. If you just got a you just got
1: a new phone, yeah, for sure. And your apps don't look good. That that just that feels crappy.
0: Why do you think? I mean, uh, and this is hard to answer. I think, but th- there seems to be a lot of some apps were ready. People had taken the cues, and they'd taken things like Auto Layout. And day one, they were ready. And this goes from big apps like like yours to 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 smaller apps um, for independent developers seem to be ready on day one. But there are other companies, large companies like Facebook and Google, um, Instagram. There's just there's nothing. They've they're yeah. continuing to have bug fixes, but there's no release. What do you think? holds these companies up and do you think that they kind of should have been at least by now out with their updates for for the new devices
1: face uh th- those bigger companies like Facebook and Instagram a lot of time i think are held back by their size um the iOS teams at those companies are so incredibly large the process around every release is is uh is huge that there's probably just some complicated technical hurdles holding them back why they can't do it um in terms of smaller developers, I think the things that hold them back are just time and money. Uh, you know, we've we've seen a lot of the stuff about how indie development is becoming harder. You know, a harder thing to do financially. So if you have to choose between you know doing some contracting works to put uh, to put food on the table or updating your your spare time iOS app, you're going to pick the the money. Um, and then I also think there's a third category of things that just they they didn't think it was going to be so quick. They thought they would have more time, um, and and those people aren't really following Apple very closely. This is how it always works. They they make hints at WWDC, and then just it just all drops at once, and you have almost no time. You've got to do the work up front.
0: Do you think that it's possible to not follow them though? I mean, everybody knew that there were going to be bigger phones.
1: Everyone in everyone in our in our circles. There, there are people who are. Who wouldn't just ignore that stuff? Who thought like, oh, well, it's just only about split-screen iPad or, or oh, they'll announce the phones, but then they'll ship like a while later and I'll have time. No, you won't. You'll, you'll never have time.
0: You mentioned large companies, Facebook and Google. I mean, Tumblr has an incredibly large user base and you're mm-hmm. part of a large company, right? You're part of Yahoo. Yeah. Why are you not held back?
1: Because we're a small team. Um, like I said, the iOS team is, is six people uh we're growing it intelligently i don't think we're trying to grow it super fast and we do great work and we try to be really conscientious about the planning of these things about you know um explaining to other people in the company why it's important for us to be ready on day one um and by not being too big everyone can be on the same page
0: i mean that seems like a massive benefit but what are the downsides of being such a small team
1: the downsides is that we, ne- we can't work on 20 things at once. We can only work on four or five things at once. And, and to do big, huge features like that uh, edit appearance feature take us way longer than it would take at a, at a larger company
0: potentially. So you were ready with Quotebook as well. To, to support the screen Just sizes. barely.
1: Just barely squeaked it in there.
0: <laughs> Was that, you know, were you just using your best informed guesses from Tumblr and been thinking, right, okay, we're working on this here. We think that this is a pretty solid reasoning now. Let's get ready for it.
1: Exactly. And we really didn't have a choice because if we had not updated... Uh, that that iCloud Drive migration would have passed us by and people would have thought that all their data was lost even though it was actually just being migrated. So if we didn't want to deal with thousands of support emails, we really had to do something.
0: Mr. Bischoff, are you working on anything else exciting or do you have anything else that you would like to promote to the world?
1: That is a great question. Uh, I've got some ideas but nothing I'm ready to share quite yet. Um, but if you want to keep up with me, twitter.com slash mb is probably the best way.
0: So thank you so much for being here today.
1: Mike, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having
0: me. It's always a pleasure. It's Always a pleasure. If you'd like to catch the show notes for today's episode of Inquisitive, then you should go to relay.fm slash inquisitive slash seven. Again, I would like to thank Mr. Matthew Bischoff for being my guest today. And thank you all for listening. Um, If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, I am imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And also thanks to Campaign Monitor for sponsoring this episode. We'll be back next week with another episode of Inquisitive. Until then, bye-bye.